0: Uh, today, to start off today's message, I need some help. We're going to find out if first service or second service is smarter and which one pays more attention. So I need a couple of volunteers. Y'all going to raise your hand. Mike's already raising his hand. Wait a minute, Mike. Let me finish what I'm going to say here, okay? You still might volunteer. Um, I need some help from some people who are willing to be bold. And who thinks you, you have a good understanding of where we've been for about the last uh, seven weeks in the series, This Is Us, talking about our mission and our vision. You think, I kind of got that understanding of that. I think I could kind of uh, maybe explain a little bit. And if you're willing to be bold and volunteer, I have some gift cards here. I found our church likes Chick-fil-A. Who here likes Chick-fil-A? You all like it, right? Uh, $10 gift cards, all right? So if you come up here and you're willing to answer at least one question, you help me on the journey, I'll make sure you get one gift card, but you got to be able to stay up here and help me because you're going to help me teach a little bit of the, the sermon this morning as we refocus on where we've been at. So now I need two volunteers. Now, oh, Mike, you started to raise your hand. Is that hand still going up? All right, so there's one. So I need one more volunteer, one more person who says, you know, I think I understanding of understand you know this. I, th- I think I could help explain it somewhat. We only got one person, and that means I have to back, come on up, come on up, there we go, we got two people, come on up, all right, to Shana and Mike, set of, use a set of steps right over there, all right, <coughs> Now I got to slide my notes over here, so you can't be cheating by looking at my notes and everything, all right, come, come on over this way, come on over this way, all right, so now, uh, I'm going to give you a microphone first, okay. all right, put you right on a spot, Go ahead. Tell us your name. My name is Tashana Harris. And how long have you been coming to church here? Uh, over two years. Over two years. Mm-hmm. All right. Go mm-hmm. ahead. And give microphone. Uh, Mike Brown and I don't know maybe six years. Five six years. years, something like that. Okay. All right. So now you all just accomplished one part of the goal. You, I say if you answer at least one question, you'll get a gift card. So <laughs> pressure's off. All right. Now <laughs> you all both have gift cards and. Sarah's back there going, yes, part of lunch. Not today, though, because they're closing on Sundays. Uh, all right. Now, here's the thing. Instead of me just getting up here and talking and telling you about this mission and vision stuff, because I like to recapture and refocus, I want your help. Whoever wants to go first can answer this. Can you tell the congregation uh, what is this new mission, kind of mission 2.0 that we've been talking about? This is us. We've, said we've been retooling the mission to focus. We look at years 15 and beyond so What, what, it, what is? Who, who's going to take that stab? To help people find and follow Jesus. Give her five. Give her five. All right. And then she passed the microphone on. She's like, now it's your turn. So we as a church have been focusing in and saying, okay, if we're going to get really focused on the gospel and what we're trying to do. We're going to help people find and follow Jesus. Can you all say that? Help people find and follow Jesus. Now, how many people knew that already? Come on, be honest. See, you all could have got up here, and you would have had a $10 gift card to Chick-fil-A. But I want us to get it so well inside of us, it's like it becomes where we just, I can just live this out. I just, I just get it, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, here's the other tricky part of that question, Mike. and put you on the spot. Where's the key passage of Scripture we talk about that, that we would get that little statement to help people find and follow Jesus? Oh, oh, oh. Now, to be honest with you, first service, I'll say Matthew 28. You're on it. You're on it. Do you know what part of Matthew 28 that would be? Who can help them out? The end. The the end part. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. First service, it was Aaron Bottinger, I'm going to tell on her. Aaron Bottinger went, did you even talk about that? (laughs) So you're not the only one. But Jesus was with his disciples. And remember, he's with his disciples. And, and he tells them, here's what I want you to do. Having that the meal with them. He's like, listen, you're going to go to all the world. You're going to preach. You're going to teach. You're going to baptize. And you're going to make disciples. So you're going to help people come to know who Christ is. And then you're going to help them on that journey. And you're going to help them grow in that. And so that's Matthew 28. So you got to know that. If, if we know where we're going as a church, we know what we're trying to do. we got to know, okay, Where's that come out from the Bible? Now, we said there's kind of a process in this, right? Our vision, how we're going to live this out. Kind of four parts of this vision. Okay, who's going to be, you already started, so now you're getting ahead of the game here. I'm so sorry. You, go ahead. What, what's part number one? Connect with people. Connect with what? Connect with people. Connect with who? Connect people. Connect people to who? <laughs> to God. To God, to Christ, <laughs> right? So we're going to connect people to Christ. That's step number one. Jesus said, You go into all the world. What are you going to do? You're going to find people who don't know Christ, and you're going to help make a connection or relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do things like planting a church. That's why I'm so excited to hear about the story that George was sharing about here's a lady sitting in her car and seeing a sign going out. That's a beginning connection to Christ. Now, there's more to the story. Lord willing, she makes a full connection where she gives her life to Christ, and that may hopefully come in time. So we want to help people connect with Christ. Step two is what? Center our lives on Christ? Center our lives on Christ. You remember a couple weeks ago, I said, listen, someone would not have a brand new baby and lay that baby on the ground and say, hey, have fun, baby, make it in life. Go ahead and feed yourself, change your own diaper. No. What would happen is moms and dads take that baby, loving that baby, coddle that baby. They're helping that baby know how to make it through life. Well, that's centering your life on Christ. Wait, are you you all planning for the next one? (laughs) You all are cheating. They're helping each other. Okay. Um, so we center our lives on Christ, and that's what we want to do. We want to help someone walk in Christ. Go ahead. What's the third one? Discover the call. Discover your call in Christ, which has to do with what? Your purpose. Your purpose. We discover our call in Christ. In other words, when I come to Christ and I, and I give my life to Christ, I connect with him, and I center my life on him, then he has a purpose for all of us. And we got to discover what that call is. What is God's purpose in us? And part number four, Mike change. Change what? Change the world through partnering with Christ. Change working. the world through Christ. You're right on. We're going to change the world through Christ. Last week, we talked about a key text with that. Do you remember that was, church? We're in a book of Matthew again. There were two metaphors. One was salt, and the other was light. light. Y'all did better in first service. See, y'all get the award. I don't know what the award is, but you get it. Um, salt and light. The we are to, to be salty. We're to add flavoring, and we're bring light, we drive away darkness. And so this is where we are as a church, and this is what we're learning how to do, and this is a journey we're going on. Would you all give them a thank you? Now, hold on a minute. I promised you some, some gift cards. Don't spend it too fast, okay? This is what it looks like, um, and what you're going to be seeing around the church as we develop this out. Because I want to be careful as we talk about the vision of of living out this mission is that we don't think of this as step one is completed, step two, I've done it, step three, I've done it, step four, I've done it, now I'm all done. It's an ongoing wheel, kind of our life. we got to continually look at our connection with Christ. Am I connecting with him? Am I walking with him? Am I being empowered by him? We continue to look at being centered in Christ. Am I every day saying, okay, like, Lord, how do I walk through this life? Are you asking questions like, how do I parent, Lord? What do I got to do in this situation? How do I love my spouse? How do I care about this worker that I, that I work with? How do I love the unlovable? That's centering our lives on Christ. And then uh, this idea of call is a continual thing. Today you may be called and feel like my purpose is this. But that could change in a year. That could change in five years. So we're continually asking God, am I walking within your will? Am I living within your purpose? And then idea of change, am I really truly being salt? Am I really truly being light? And so it's a continual thing that we, that we live in and that we go through in life. So the question I want us to wrestle with today is how do we accomplish this great task that God has given us? How do we accomplish this? We're going to be empowered by our team as we work together as a team. Today I want to do a little bit of reviewing of some stuff we talked about early in the year and bring it all together. Because what I preached on early in the year, January, February, March, was purposeful heading towards where we're heading right here in November and as we look into 2020. Remember early in the year we talked about being empowered by the Holy Spirit and that we have a team that we work with. Remember the team. Who's on our team? God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, and us. Right? There's four parts to the team, or you could say even five parts because you have God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, us, and then us, because as a body. But when I say us, I mean us individually and us as a body. We make up a team together, and. I want us to think about this idea of a team because when Jesus sent out his disciples, he didn't just send them out all by, him, all by themselves and said, now you go and do this. Look what Jesus says to him in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and into the end of the earth. He tells them, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. For us, it'd be like, you'll be my witnesses in Lexington. In Judea, they'd be like us saying, in Kentucky, in Samaria, tackle the whole United States and the ends of the earth over to other foreign lands. For us, it'd be like Samaria. That's why, why would we go to Washington, Vancouver, Washington, Pacific Northwest? Well, because that's our Samaria. Why do we work with people like Ted and Jen Bertelson? Well, because that goes to other countries, and so we receive power. He says, you're not going to do this by yourself. You're going to be empowered. He gives us gifts. That's how he does that. And so today, I just want us to look at three main biblical lists that list out the gifts of the Spirit, also known as spiritual gifts. So get your Bible out, get out your app, or get out your paper Bible, and be ready. I want to hit these very quickly today. We're not going to do a deep dive in them. I just want you to be aware of these passages and where they're at, and I want you to be aware so that you can turn to them and dig in a little bit further on your own. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul writes to the church at Rome and looks what he says to him. He says, "For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is a lead, do it diligently. If it is showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. And so Paul sends this letter to the Christians in Rome here, and he says, listen, God has given you different gifts to build up the body, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. He's like, use them. Put them to work. Don't let them sit on a shelf, so to speak, is what he was saying. You've got to use these gifts. And it's interesting, when you see some things get to be repetitive in Scripture, you have to start to, to wonder how important that is, that God has put something else in Scripture in another place. So when you look at 1 Corinthians, for instance, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth. So it's like writing to different cities, and we'll see some very similar things that he writes. Look what he writes to the church in Corinth. He says now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So it's like, let me educate you here a little bit. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. He goes on and says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. We I mean, notice in the book of Romans, the letter of Rome, he says here's a bunch of gifts. It's for God's purpose. It's built build unity in church. You get over here in Corinthians, he says here's all these different kinds of gifts, wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing miraculous powers and prophecy and discernment and tongues, interpretation of tongues. He's like, listen, here's all these gifts. And then he says, the Spirit, though, he distributes them, each one as he determines. So he says, listen, some of you can teach and some of you are not good that teaching. Some of you have great wisdom, some of you may not have great wisdom. Some of you have great faith, some of you may not have great faith. Some of you are really good at giving, some of you may not be so good at giving. He says, he determines this, he gives all these out. Why? For the building up of the church, for his kingdom work. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, the church in Ephesus Paul writes this letter again. He goes to this church, gets planted, it gets established. He writes to him. He says, now I want to remind you of some things. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Give out these gifts. Why? So the body of Christ is built up. So that word built up means that it's strengthened, that it's whole, that it's complete, that it's as effective as it can be until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In this, he says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, some very important roles within the church. Now, here's what I want you to see. Look at Romans 12 and just the list of gifts. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. You look at Ephesians chapter 4. He says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You notice with me that all those lists are somewhat different. They're not all the same. And you have to stop and ask that question and go, why are these not all the same? Why did he not write to the church at Rome and give that list and go to the church at Corinthians, or Corinth and give that same list and go to the church at Ephesus and give the exact same list? Now, depending on who you study and how you look at this, many philosophies and beliefs are understood of that. My simple understanding is this. Is that I don't believe that any of those lists are exhaustive and they're co- just complete and they're all finished out. I believe it's like Paul was sitting down and writing a letter and saying, how, how can I explain this to the church at Rome? Let me just give them some examples. And he started listing out prophecy and some of you really good at serving and some of you really good at encouraging. I know some of you are really good at giving. And so he writes that letter, sends it off to them. It's like, Use your gift for the church. Again, he's sitting. At his desk, writing a letter, you know, to the church in Corinth. He's writing this letter, writing it, and he's like, okay, what can I tell the church at Corinth? Well, some of you are really good at tongues, and some of you are good at prophecy, and some of you got good at faith, and, and he's just kind of sharing. Some of you have really good wisdom, and he's making this list, but the two lists are different because he's writing the letters at two different times, and because it's not like just all there is are just these six gifts or just these eight gifts or just these abilities. And same thing in the church in of Ephesus. Now, he lists some very important roles there apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Some very important roles that build up the church. But again, three different lists. I think if you're writing a letter today, there may be some other things that would maybe possibly be in that list. He may say, if he was writing a letter to the church at Center Point, for instance, you know, some of you are really good at administration and organization. Boy, you should use that gift to build up the church. You know, some of you guys are really good at computers. You understand how computers are put together, how they operate. You know how to code and do all that stuff. Use that gift to build up God's church. Well, you know, some of you are really good at babies. You know how to quiet a baby down. You should use that gift to build up the church. I think he would have different kinds. Some of you are really good at finances and managing finances. You know how to make finances move and how to balance it. Use that gift to build up the church. He would be naming some other things. He looked at the culture today because Paul's writing to three different groups of people, three different time frames, and he's given a list saying, listen, God has gifted you by the power of the Spirit. Use that to build up the body. Here's what I want you to hear. I want you to believe this. I hope you embrace it. Church, you are gifted by God's kingdom you are gifted by God for his kingdom and you're needed. If we're really going to fulfill the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus, then all of us have to get, kind of get the mindset that says, wait, I can do something to make this happen. I, I, can, I can help. I have a role. I have a responsibility. And I want to discover what that role and responsibilities. I want to know what that gift is. And I'm going to do my best to, to fulfill that role. And what we cannot have if we're going to be the most effective and the most healthy we can be, we cannot have people that say, well, no, I, I'm not all that important. Well, I'm just good with going to church. We, we have to get past the idea that the idea of, of walking with God or going to church is that we come in and we sit in a room like this and we sing some songs hear a sermon and go home. That's the American way of doing church. We have to blow that up in today's culture. We have to blow that up in today's culture, and all of us have to get the mindset that goes, wait, I'm an important part of the body. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul addressed this. See, if we're going to help people find and follow Jesus, then we need each other. You're needed here. Apostle Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He continues on and says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so does with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we are all given the same one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I mean, Apostle Paul starts saying, listen, set aside all racial things, set aside economic status things, set aside everything. When you're in Christ, you are one and you're part of a body. And he says, there's many parts of that body. I mean, just stop for a moment and look at your hands. Put your hands out in front of you. Come on, put your hands out in front of you. you got to sit down and coffee maybe. I just want you to look at your fingers. Move them. Just, just move them a little bit. Do you realize how many things in the body are operating just for you to do that? The tendons and the muscles and the bones and everything, and I'm not a doctor, so I can't possibly explain it to you, but there's a lot that goes on just for these hands to move as part of the body. And could you imagine if some of these fingers, I don't want to function anymore, I don't want to work. You're going to be like, you got to work. But over a year ago, I was uh, donating blood and... um, the person taking my blood nicked my my ten, or not my my um help me out here my nerve <laughs> the the person doing it nicked my nerve in my arm and uh it wasn't very long and it started feeling the tingling sensation going up my neck and down into my fingers and I didn't know what happened, but uh over a few days, I was getting concerned because the hand wasn't moving really well and a lot of pain was in that arm and I was like, what is going on? And started putting two to two together and started realizing something happened and you know, called the blood center and we worked through all that and found out the nerve was nicked. It took a good six months for that to heal itself. But you start realizing things like just trying to grip a jar to open a jar. I couldn't do it for a while. I just couldn't, couldn't even turn a jar because it, the, the, there wasn't strength in a hand. I needed this arm. I needed this hand. It was, it was suffering This is what Paul's talking about. He's like, the body is so important, and every part is needed. Verse 15, says, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As is written, there are many parts but one body. Paul's basically saying, listen, just because you may not like your foot. I mean, if, you, if we took our socks and shoes off today and we all stood up here and looked at our feet, there would be some of us being like, dude, you're not looking at my foot. I got gnarly feet. You know, like My second toe is like really long. Or I got a bunion on this side. You're not going to check that out. Even if you look at your feet and like, I don't like my feet, you still need the foot. So, Paul's saying, Paul's saying, listen, every part is important, even parts that we don't like. E- even parts that are ugly to us or parts that maybe don't behave properly. He says, the eye cannot say the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I mean, if we had the time just to dig in to the Apostle Paul's letters to the church in Rome, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Corinth, and we just would spend time looking at each and one of these texts, I just think he's just screaming out at us as much as he can. If he had a megaphone, he'd be standing before us with a megaphone and just saying, you are so valuable, you are so needed, you are so important, and don't believe any other kind of lie the lies that Satan puts in our heads that says, well, wait a minute, you don't know about my past, you don't know about all the filthiness and all the sin and things I struggle with. No, that's a lie. You're in Christ, you're still part of the body, you are still needed. Well, yeah, but my part is really not that big, it's not that important. You know what? Centerpoint Christian Church is just one part of the entire body, the kingdom of God, which goes all over this world. We might be just the thumb. We might be the thumb in God's greater big big world of His kingdom, but that thumb is highly important. And we need to do our part. We need to do the best of our ability. Within this body, I don't know, you might be the pinky. You might be a toenail. You might be a piece of hair. God wants you to know how important you are. And God wants you to discover your gifts and discover your abilities. And he wants you to put that into action in this local body. As we serve together, you put it into action into his greater body. You say, well, how do I, how do I know where that is? How do I... How do I discover that? How do I know what my gift is, my abilities? Well, let me give you a couple things you can do to try to figure that out. First of all, you pray and you read God's word. Take your growth guide with you this week and you open up these scriptures that I've referred to. They're all listed in there. You start just reading them. God, would you clarify for me? God, would you clarify what's my abilities? God, what is my role? What is my task? God, what have you given me? What should I be doing in your kingdom? And let me give you a suggestion. Take a piece of paper out tomorrow. Maybe it's Monday morning before you go to work. Maybe you're kind of a more of a night person, devotion person. Maybe it's a lunchtime break. Take a piece of paper out and just ask God a question. God, how did you put me together? What are my abilities? What are my gifts? How do you want me to use them for your kingdom? And just stop and listen and start writing down things that come to your mind. I was at a meeting this week with pastors uh, on Thursday morning and we spent about an hour and a half discussing some things regarding our city and one of the guys directing a meeting asked another guy he said well what's your opinion what do you think he said well let me be real honest I don't think we need my opinion what I think he said I think we've heard enough from other people he said we need to hear from God and we were planning to wrap up the meeting he said so let me just ask you to bow your head for the next two minutes and just ask God God speak to me personally what do we need to hear from you are we missing anything he said, so let's allow two minutes allow God to speak so the room's quiet, about 12 pastors sitting around the table. Two minutes, the guy said, Amen. He said, Did you hear anything from God? We went for another 45 minutes just talking about, Well, I think God's saying this to me. I think God's saying this to me. Do you know you can do that? You know, you can sit down and say, God, I understand you've gifted us. I understand you put us together. I understand you've made my abilities and my giftedness. You want me to use it in your kingdom to build up your church. God, what are they? And you just write down a piece of paper. Now, if Monday, if you do that, come around Tuesday, get a new clean piece of paper, ask the same question, same prayer, and start writing down, God, what, what, what are my gifts? How do you want me to use them? Wednesday, do the same thing. Thursday, do the same thing. Friday, do the same thing. Maybe Saturday morning, gather all those together and look at them and see if there's any similarities. I'll bet you there'll be some similarities. I'll bet there'll be some things that will jump off the pages and go, God, you've been telling me this every single day this week. And that's probably where God wants you to start using your gifts and your abilities. You do that in prayer. You do that in scripture. And then talk to some godly friends. Ask some godly friends, some Christ-centered people that you trust, that you look up to and say, what do you see in me? What are my abilities? What do you see? Where where are my gifts at? What do you see how I could be serving in God's kingdom? And those friends will probably tell you some things. And then you look back at your notes with prayer and you go, oh my goodness, look at what they're telling me aligns with what God's been telling me. Proverbs tells us there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So we go to some Christian counselors like that, our friends, see what they tell us and start seeing alignment. And God will start lining this stuff up. And then another way you can do this is you can use a gift assessment. Many of you did this earlier this year. Some maybe have it, at mycpoint.com forward slash gifts. That's on our website. We have a spiritual gifts assessment you can go there. It asks you a series of questions, things you like to do, things you don't like to do, ability, strengths, you rank all that, and then it spits out kind of results of that, going here are some areas of ministry probably you would align with. Here's your giftedness, and you can kind of read that and study that. Now, some of you did that earlier this year, and you're going, I did that. I don't know where it's at. If you email us at office at Point, we'll be glad to pull that up, and we can email you the results that you have. Or if you're trying to do it for the first time and you run into some kind of challenge, you're going, I don't know what to do. You need some help. Again, email us there, and we'll help you out. And then attend the ministry fair next week. Next Sunday morning, we'll have a ministry fair. You'll be praying this week. You'll kind of know some gifts you already about. You'll start walking around the ministry fair, and you'll start talking to some of the ministry leaders, and you'll go, wait a minute, that's exactly what I was praying about. This one fits me. Because what happens is we think, well, I don't sing... Or don't play an instrument. I don't belong in the band. Don't belong in the worship team. You'll be amazed other needs that they have. And also you're having a conversation like, I could do that. And you start helping out in the worship team. Or you start walking around, you stop at the children's ministry, and you start thinking, I don't want to work with kids. That's really not my gift. And many times I'm not doing children's, ministry. you start talking to the children's ministry team, and they're like, yeah, but we need help with this, this, and this, and this. You're like, wait a minute. I could do that. You know, this week I sat and watch Lane, our family pastor this week, for instance, here's an example. There's, there's a lot of lesson preparation that goes in the hands of all the teachers, and, and he spends usually a good full day just photocopying and putting binders together, administrative type rules. Some of you go, I, I didn't know I, that was a children's ministry role. He's like, I can't wait till I find someone to help me out. That might be someone in this room that says, I'm going to just prepare and help all the teachers. And so as you pray and you think through and you go through, you start finding out other avenues, where can I plug into ministry? And then I don't want us to miss that. Once we've prayed about this and we've been thinking about this, God may be preparing you for some of the dream ministries. I shared these last week. These are new ministry areas that we see us as a church moving into over the next one to three years. God has put on our hearts as a church. You call back to the recall back to the fall. We had a dream session here with about 100 different people dreaming about ministries. What kind of ministries were we dreaming about? Well, how do we live as Jesus lived? And what did Jesus do As we studied that this spring Jesus went in the communities. He found the broken areas of, of the neighborhoods, and he wouldn't minister to people in their brokenness. And so we've looked at areas of brokenness, looking at surveys around our city, um, looking at who's around us, and we said, all right, what are the areas are, that are rising to the top? What's our church looking at? And our church saying these are areas of interest and where we should go. And so these six areas have risen to the top. And so next week there's going to be an area out here in the lobby where you could stop and talk to some people, and you say that, that that's an interest area of mine. I'm going to sign up, and I'll be part of helping figure out what steps we take. So, these are the six areas. One is areas of addiction. We know that addiction is running issues are running rampant in our society in Lexington and in the state of Kentucky, and so we want to know how do we minister to people that are dealing with addiction issues. We just had a funeral here two weeks ago because of someone that overdosed. It's real. It hits home when you think about that. And so we want to know, how do we minister to those families? How do we care for them? And so areas of addiction. Basic life needs. Things like, how do we help expand what we're already doing in terms of backpack ministry, in terms of generosity feeds? How do we help expand? Thinking about clothing needs. Maybe it's financial needs, helping people, learning uh, how to do that kind of stuff. Just basic life needs. There's, there's a plethora of ministries and angles we could go with that. Uh, areas of Mentoring. Sometimes a young couple gets married and they're like, how do we do this marriage thing? Well, it'd be nice to have some maybe couples that are a little, little further down the road. They go, I can coach and mentor. Maybe it's a, a young woman uh, needing mentoring from an older Christian woman. Maybe it's um, someone struggling finances. They go, I can really use some help, some mentoring and how to do finances and do it well. Mentoring. I had someone email me this week and said, I would love it if there was a lady in this church that could help mentor me. I got some life issues going on. I just need someone to walk with me on the journey. And so we're trying to help partner this younger lady with somebody who could walk with her. Uh, development of godly men, which means we need a strong men's ministry. We've been talking about that, that that's been one of the struggles or trials in our church of not really getting the feet underneath it to have a sustaining men's ministry. And so we want to see that happening. Child care needs. We know there's a there's a need of child care. There, there's a rising population of single parents There's a rising population of grandparents raising their grandkids. There's a rising need for after-school programs. Uh, There's a shortage of child care centers. We know the child care needs are just just huge around us. And so we say we can go in those areas and help find out how can we minister to families that have child care needs. And then one last area would be those who are young adults. Those who are just out of high school entering that maybe college or that just next stage of life. How do we minister to these young people? How do we walk with them in the journey? So many churches do just like we do. You have children's ministry, you have student ministry, and then kids graduate. Many kids wander off and filter away from the church in that stage. We want to do what we can to prevent that from happening. We want a place where they go, you know what? I continue growing with my church, and we continue to minister. And so those six areas are all new. You say, well, how are we going to decide which one of those get started? We are going to have out here in the lobby an area for the Dream Ministries, If we have an area and we got three, four, five people sign up, we would say, okay, let's get those people together and start praying and thinking about that area specifically. Let's say we have another one and no one signs up. Well, we'll put that on a back burner for now and say, you know what? God's not moving us there just yet like we thought. We'll find out where the interest is. We'll bring those group of people together to start praying and thinking, start investigating, start dreaming, and figure out a plan. How do we get started and when do we get started? Some of these ministries may start next year. Some may take a year of preparation and planning before they start, and it becomes 2021 or even 2022. And so God is moving us outside of these walls into our community through these dream ministries. Let me close this morning with this scripture that we've already heard. and Apostle Paul said, he says, you are the body of Christ. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. We are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And what I would beg of you this week, make it a high priority of your prayer. God, what's my part in the body of Christ here at my church center point? Come next week ready to celebrate, but come next week also to say, all right, God, I'm ready to jump in, and I want to do my part of helping people find and follow Jesus. Bow your heads in prayer with me.